Welcome to the show. This is Free Talk Live. We are so happy to be here with you tonight. I am your host, Stephanie. And Jason. And Hannah. Yes, I'm very excited. I have um, two of my favorite people here in the studio with me tonight to start out the show for you all. And of course, this is a show where you can bring up anything you want. So I'm going to give out our number real quick and then introduce my lovely co-hosts. So, um, or maybe not so lovely. Maybe I should say manly instead of lovely. (laughs) One's lovely, one's manly. I prefer lovely. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I think we can go with that. So uh, anyway, our number is 603-435-1105. Lots to discuss tonight. We're going to be talking about the violent, brutal police crackdown on the dancers at the Jefferson Memorial, as well as some local New Hampshire activism involving the arrest of videographer Dave Ridley and the Bardo Farm Fest, which was, of course, this weekend as well. But your calls also are going to be in the mix if you make them. So call us once once again. That's 603-435-1105. And uh, I mentioned that Jason and Hannah are here. Uh, Jason Talley is the director, the managing director of the CD Evolution Fund. They're the Civil Dis- Disobedience Evolution Fund. And uh, why don't you tell us just a little brief elevator speech about that? Uh, well, I moved to New Hampshire about a year ago, and uh, the board of directors of uh, CD Evolution, they were kind enough to ask me, you know, would I like to uh, help out? And they offered me the position of managing director. And it's really something that I couldn't refuse. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to move here because of all the good people that are um, disobeying bad laws. I mean, they're doing that for all of us. There's so many awful laws on the books and moral laws that uh, we're told to comply with, but uh, they make no sense. They harm peaceful people. And so um, I, I made it my uh, mission to uh, help them out uh, CD Evolution, you know, does raise money and uh, you know, and resources so that we can help these folks out. And uh, you know, we right now we have a limited budget, uh, but we do a lot with it. I think. And oh yeah, r- right, right now we're raising a lot of awareness uh, for people like Sovereign Curtis. Uh, we helped out uh, Bob Constantine, also known as uh, Weeda Claus. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really uh, fulfilling for me to uh, be able to um, to help people out like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you do a great job with that. I'm proud to be a supporter of CD Evolution as well. You know, we've worked together on a lot of different projects, and it's great to have you with here with us as always. So, um, uh, Hannah, Hannah, I wanted to introduce you real quick. Hannah is also someone who is very prolific in the Liberty community, doing all kinds of stuff. And Hannah has a unique talent, I think, <laughs> for writing extremely catchy jingles. Aww, and thanks. It really helps out a lot with, uh, you know, the marketing and some of the media aspects of things. Mm -hmm. I'm a person who's also interested in media myself. So uh, Hannah and I have worked together in the past as well on some on some projects that involve jingles. And and uh, my podcast, Pork Therapy, actually features a a theme song by Hannah. Yeah. And I I, I was just telling you before the show, Hannah, people come up to me all the time and say, oh, man, I sing it in the shower every day. So. (laughs) When I was uh, traveling with the Motorhome Diaries, Hannah wrote our jingle for us. And then yes. uh, after we had that, uh, we opened every video with her singing MotorhomeDiaries.com. Mm-hmm. She could true. do it better. MotorhomeDiaries.com. Thank Something you. Something like wow, that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it. I can't help it. I just, I love these organizations so much. These uh, people who have all these great liberty projects that they're doing. So I want to participate in whatever way I can. And Absolutely. And we're, we're so glad to have you here with Thank us on, on the good side, I guess you could say, <laughs> fighting for freedom. I don't think status jingles would work so well. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. No, no. <laughs> so anyway, both uh, glad to have you both on the show. I think this is the first time we've all three been together. So I've been looking yep. forward to this for sure. And uh, I mentioned, you know, Jason and Hannah, both very prolific activists. Jason has been um, involved in a number of different projects uh, 
involved with blogging and video and getting media out there of different civil disobedience events. And the, the thing that I wanted to start off the show talking about was something that happened yesterday, which I think shocked everyone who saw it. It certainly shocked me when I saw this video of police brutally cracking down on some protesters at the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. yesterday. And so I guess to give some background, back up the train, they talked about this extensively last night on Free Talk Live, which you can hear all of the audio archives going back to 2006, but especially last night's is on the front page at freetalklive.com if you go visit it right now. But uh, so yesterday, um, I guess, what Jason, maybe you could help me with some of the background on this. When was this, 2009, when the original arrest of Brooke Oberwetter happened? Right. It was, on, it was actually a 2008. Okay, 2008. So this has been going on for quite some time. Right. And so after uh, her arrest, uh, there was this... Well, back uh, up. What was she doing in, in, first, in the first place? Well, what were we all doing? I mean, there was about 18 people that mm. were at uh, the Thomas Jefferson Memorial on uh, Jefferson's birthday at midnight when it was going to be emptied out. Um, and we were just going to, you know, have a song, uh, a silent uh, d- a tribute, uh, you know, dancing with uh, earbuds in to, um, you know, honor the, the freedoms that we enjoy. And then we were going to go somewhere else and have a good time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we thought we would pay our respects. Everybody was backed out by the um, uh, park police and uh, except for uh, Brooke, who, you know, was asking legitimate questions like, uh, you know, uh, why, you know, what do we do wrong? And, and you're I- just dancing with headphones on. That's it. Not not hurting anybody. It's not like you were forming a mosh pit, right? You're just kind of right, nope. just kind of shaking your booty. Did you, did you anticipate <laughs> the possibility of, of police wanting you to stop? Well, that's just it. I mean, maybe I was a little naive uh, back in 2008, but to just like you know, people didn't expect there to be a response today, and we'll talk about that response in a minute, mm-hmm. but I didn't respe- expect a response. I mean, I think I was... Because there's one- nothing wrong with what you were doing. It was totally peaceful. It was public property. Nothing wrong by so, natural law, right. uh, anyway, which is the law that I respect. Yeah, you know? I, yeah. I mean, there's quotes that uh, Jefferson is a, a fan of dance, and he's certainly, of course, uh, um, he's a foe of uh, tyranny and, uh, and a fan of uh, freedom. So we thought we, uh, you know, we're honoring his ideas uh, by our actions, and uh, the park police uh, showed, you know, where uh, the United States of America was in uh, 2008. Um, uh, fortunately, she wasn't. Um, uh, physically harmed. I think they put her Brooke in chains. Wasn't. Yeah, Brooke wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then we see in 2011 America what happens to people when they dance at the Jefferson Memorial, and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. So, um, so after that initial arrest back in 2008, and I, I think it's pretty cool, Jason, that you were there for that initial event, and now you've been essentially following this story to its completion. And it's certainly not over yet, but a very significant development happening yesterday. Uh, There was a protest that was scheduled for this weekend because it was a response to a court decision on Brooke Overwater's initial arrest, saying that basically it was reasonable and it was fine for the police there at the Jefferson Memorial to declare it illegal for people to be there dancing silently with their headphones on. And I think you know, of course, I haven't read it myself. It's the court decision. I haven't read the court decision myself because I doubt I would be able to understand it even with all the legalese that they use, which is actually a different language. English words mean different things in legalese mm-hmm. than they mean in normal English. So who knows what they were actually really saying with that. But I think it was kind of a broad decision, essentially saying that police can arrest anyone for whatever they deem inappropriate behavior. 
Well, um, yeah, I was the organizer. I mean, I went to the Jefferson Memorial uh, one evening. I'm like, well, what a what a you know beautiful place uh, at night, uh, you know, well lit up. Um, and Jefferson is in the middle of this memorial. And I'm like, you know, it'd be really nice, I think, uh, to have to remember uh, his ideas by uh, having a silent dance party here. And uh, so I, I organized the event. Um, but the uh, court decision, there's a quote in there, uh, and the the judge said, um, in order to uh, maintain an atmosphere of calm, tranquility, and reverence, that the essentially the the park police could take those actions against uh, 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 Brooke Oberwetter, who we called uh, the Jefferson One. Mm-hmm. And but what's weird is, I mean, the when you look at the video, who was the one that broke this calm, tranquility, and reverence? Was it the dancers or was it the uh, U.S. Park Service employees who they body slammed somebody. They actually yeah. choked um, Adam Kokesh. Uh, they put people in chains, um, you know, at the foot of uh, Thomas Jefferson's uh, statue. Yeah. Um, it's outrageous. Yeah. So uh, that that is absolutely what happened yesterday. Um, I guess a few dozen people showed up. And I think one of the things that they really did well was to make sure that they had contacted the media in advance, local media. And I saw a lot of people... There was some video that came out immediately after the crackdown happened yesterday. That was great. It was up right away, and Jason posted it immediately on the um, Jefferson was it Jefferson Dance Party info website, right? right. Um, where he was diligently covering everything yesterday. Um, so there was some video that came out right after the arrest, but more and more video has started to surface as time has gone on. And I saw a lot of mainstream news cameras, and it was outrageous. The police were pushing these, all these people with cameras out, trying to suppress the evidence of what they were doing, and it just showed that they weren't proud of their actions. So, more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back. You can give us a call at 603-435-1105. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. We were just rocking out to that intro music <laughs> as we come back from the break. This is Stephanie here with you. And oh, Jason. <laughs> and Hannah. Yes, indeed. And we are so happy to have you listening to our show tonight. Of course, if you want to call us, our number is 603-435-1105. We've been talking about the violent police crackdown that happened yesterday at the Jefferson Memorial to some very peaceful protesters who were silently dancing and I think we do have someone on the line who wants to discuss that a little bit more. Let's bring on Benjamin. Are you there, Benjamin? I am. Hi. Nice to hear from you. So what was on your mind tonight? Well, you know, knowing Jason's on tonight and uh, knowing that he was there at the original, you know, Thomas Jefferson dance party, as it were, mm-hmm. I am just I want to know more about, like, what was the incident, you know, who decided to get that together? Was it just a spur-of-the-moment thing? Was it something that was planned? Mm, good question. Well, I believe now this is uh, and, and hey Benjamin, how you doing? Uh, thanks for calling so much. Uh, uh, I planned it in 2008. Uh, this is after I had left uh, Bureaucrash Activist Network, and I don't know, it's, it's a thing I wanted to do. I was hoping some other people would come along. It was about um, 18, 20 people that uh, showed up, and um, the reason you know I wanted to do it was it was an expression of our freedom. I didn't, you know, it, we weren't there to make a scene because we chose midnight to do it. We chose to do it silently with, uh, you know, iPods and um, everybody could pick their own song. 
Um, we thought it would just be a 20-minute thing and then it'd be over with. Well, it's clearly not over because they arrested somebody. And then um, I was in, uh, like I said, D.C. at the time, and there were some you know really talented people that uh, joined together. Uh, they were activists, journalists, um, and people in like the think tank world there. And so they all had media connections. Mm-hmm. We were lauded for our use of social media to get the word out then. And this mm-hmm. is before I even had a Twitter account. So all these things were new. And uh, I just wanted to mention what's awesome with this event where, you know, in 2011, you can stream live media um, and you can just get the word out so much more effectively these days. And, oh, yeah. And so, like, it was really easy for me to create a, a website to jeffersondanceparty.info so we can aggregate all the information as it comes out. Um, and so, yeah, um, like I said, I might have been naive to expect that there wouldn't have been like a police crackdown you know, at the Jefferson Memorial, you would think that the guards there would have read some of the ideas that uh, Jefferson espoused and, you know, had a more hands-off policy. You know, we thought we might be laughed at because we're, we're dorks, but um, <laughs> certainly not, uh, not, not abused uh, the way they did. Yeah, and Jason, that's an interesting point you made about social media really changing this whole activism scene. I completely agree with you. And actually, one of the, you know, you're, you're very much Johnny on the spot with news when it comes to covering events like these. I mean, I have a kind of a typical nine to five type job, so it's not often that I get to go to people's trials, even people who I really support, like uh, Weta Claus and and Meg, for who recently had a jury trial for standing in front of a police car. But um, Jason was tweeting live updates and putting them on Facebook on the CD Evolution fan page, which you can find pretty easily on Facebook if you look for it. And, you know, I think it was great that there was video Im- immediately available and there was a blog d- devoted to covering this thing that happened yesterday. I know it is probably a lot of work to get that website up and running, but you did a great job of just having it available for people and also promoting it to let people know that all the latest news would be there. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, um, Hannah and I, we were in Connecticut at the time and mm-hmm. I wasn't uh, going I couldn't go to D.C., but I wanted to be able to do something. I mean, I, I do consider it my mission. Um, the mission of CD Evolution uh, is to you know support the good people who disobey bad laws. And so I figured that would be a great way for me to uh, help them is to at least communicate and, and relay what's going on. And part of that support, I really think, is helping get the word out and show other people that there are people who are willing to do civil disobedience. It's Got a little bit of this scary feeling, I think, if you're kind of new to the world of activism and you've never been arrested before or you've, you know, you like to think of yourself as someone who is a, quote, law abiding citizen. You know, I've heard that phrase a lot. So I think people can can get kind of scared because they don't know what to expect. But seeing those live updates and seeing the amount of people who are watching and supporting is the thing, I think, for most people that diminishes that fear and gets them able to do the things that they do want to do, which is act like a free person. Right. I think there's a lot well, you, you can do uh, to be involved without risking getting arrested, too. Sure. You can go to these events and just be a support person, or you can do what Jason does and keep people updated. Mm-hmm. And also, when um, people got arrested, uh, there was like a huge call flood where just like so yes. many people were calling the jail demanding that they be released. And, um, or apparently that helped and that yeah know. i mean i i was trying to get through yesterday and couldn't it, i had a hard time getting through <laughs> and i heard reports from people who were posting on on social media like we said who were saying that we basically shut down the switchboard for whatever wow. you know police the, awesome. the county jail that they were <laughs> yeah, that they were being held at <laughs> yeah and uh, benjamin did you want to jump in I, I know you had something to say well, I was just going to say, I know as someone who's on the opposite side of the country as uh, as everyone else, that it is really appreciated having those, you know, live Twitter updates of what's going on in the trials. It, it makes it 
feel like, you know, I'm almost there or whatever, like I'm, you know, Absolutely. able to keep in contact. And it really, you know, all the video coming out of New Hampshire of all the people who are doing civil disobedience uh, really is an inspiration. Um, you know, I was recently arrested for the first time, and that was, a, and it was a scary experience, but it wasn't as scary, I think, because I had seen so many other people go through similar experiences. Now, so what I were know. you, what were you arrested for? I don't think I'm so, familiar. Uh, me and my brother, we, uh, we went out, uh, with a taxes equal theft sign. Oh, that's you. So, okay. Yeah. yeah we've and, heard uh, about this. Um, so for, I guess you want to give us a little bit of background on that, Benjamin, just for people who aren't familiar with the details. Uh, sure. Um, me and my brother, we've, uh, since we haven't, we aren't able to make the move to New Hampshire yet, we decided, well, we should start doing activism now, mm-hmm. um, get our feet wet and, and try, try to spread the ideas of liberty while we're still here. And so uh, we started our own group, uh, Good Men Do Something. And we just go around, the, you know, a, a different topic and you know, usually just signs and whatnot. We wear Guy Fox masks. Mm-hmm. Just usually us and maybe a couple other people. Mm-hmm. So and, you were uh, you were ta- protesting taxation? Yeah. So we mm-hmm. we made a, a big giant sign, it was like twenty five feet long, and it said uh, "Taxes equal theft." Right. And we went to a local uh, highway overpass, and uh, within five minutes of us being there, there was like half a dozen cop cars. Wow. And a, and a bunch of police. And, now, in uh, your we, let me just stop you here, Ben. Um, so in your area. Do you have people who hang these signs on the highway overpasses that say, welcome home, Sergeant, whatever, you know, Murphy, Jones, whatever? Uh, we had, there was the whole uh, Prop 8 thing out here in California about gay marriage, and people would go out on highway overpasses. Oh, and, no. Uh, you know, we don't, uh, we, while we're next to a military base, there's not a lot of that kind of stuff because of the type of mission that that base does. Oh, okay, because I was going to say, but, here in New Hampshire, I even see that a lot on the highway overpasses. People hang signs that say, welcome home whatever well, military person this is and nobody ever bothers them for it at all i've even well, we seen gonna, yeah let's go ahead we weren't going to hang us we weren't hanging a sign it was a sign we plan on taking with us um mm. I, I mean we we tied it to the fence real quick just so we wouldn't have to hold the thing up but right. we were standing next to it and, and waving down at people yeah um, but yeah but being able to see how activists handle themselves and what they go through it it really gave us kind of experience we didn't have, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't completely new to us, I, but I didn't expect to get arrested. We weren't trying to do civil disobedience, not yet. For sure. We were trying to, we were trying to avoid doing that till we were in New Hampshire. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you up here, and it's great to have some experience under your belt, even if you are relatively alone from other activists where you are right now. And thanks so much for the call tonight, Benjamin. We really appreciate it. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be coming up with more. When we return, the number is 603-435-1105. Give us a call. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for listening tonight. We were having so much fun during the break. We were actually doing a little bit of dancing in the studio to show our solidarity with the people who were arrested yesterday for dancing at the Jefferson Memorial. And that's what we've been discussing all night tonight so far. Our number is, of course, 603-435-1105. And you can call us and bring up anything that's on your mind tonight. Let us know what your thoughts are about what we're discussing or anything else goes, really. And, of course, this is Stephanie with you. And Jason. And Hannah. 
<laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I like that intro. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about this. It sounded a little bit secret, but uh, I would like to promote it. You guys are working on combining your talents and developing a new version of the safety dance, which we were playing during the break. And that was our dance music. <laughs> and what what is the new one going to be called? It's going to be called the state free dance. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a little pun there. <laughs> so I guess there's going to be some music and video skills combined to make a very cool song. I'm looking forward to that very much. So, yeah, if you want to if you want to put in any requests, you can of course call us <laughs> and you can always catch us dancing on the cam at cam.freetalklive.com or you can go to cam.lrn.fm. That's the Liberty Radio Network playing liberty oriented content 24 hours a day. Very cool stuff. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I think we wanted to make sure that we covered some New Hampshire-based activism that was happening recently as well. And, oh, you know what? Before we get into that, there was another aspect of the Jefferson Memorial thing that I wanted to discuss, and I think Hannah did as well, which was kind of some of the psychology behind these things that are happening. And um, Hannah, I don't know uh, what your impressions were, but when I watched this video that came out yesterday, the video of basically depicting people peacefully dancing at the Jefferson mm-hmm. Memorial. It's extremely obvious that they're peaceful. They're not hurting anyone. They're not flailing about. They're just very calmly, silently dancing. And they're not even, it's not even like a lewd dance at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like a very, you know, platonic kind of dance. Mm-hmm. So really there's nothing about this dance that anyone could possibly critique, at least from mm-hmm. my point of view. And these cops literally just tackle the dancers to the ground mm-hmm choke Adam Kokesh, who was one of the people who was arrested, um, brutally twist their hands behind their backs and all kinds of stuff. And you can see there's one cop who's kind of, I guess, in charge of the whole thing, who's mm-hmm. kind of, mm, he's asking, he's the one who starts asking questions first. He's mm-hmm. wearing a bicycle helmet. Um, and he he's kind of ordering the other cops around, but he also goes around to all these people who have cameras and gets in the face of the cameras right. and pushes them and literally pushes a woman with, even without a camera. Mm-hmm. He can be clearly seen pushing just a bystander away. Literally right. shoves this woman. So it's clear <laughs> to me that he has some need for safety, maybe, or for organization, for order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, I I mean, I really don't understand where he would be coming from. But I'd like to try, I want to understand what he's feeling and why he and his uh, other, other the other officers would behave in that way and, and want to prevent peaceful people from um, just you know, acting in a really peaceful way. Sure. And I think when you say that you would like to understand where he's coming from, mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. And it doesn't, I don't think that means that we support the actions of these people, right. you know, har- who have harmed peaceful dancers and acted as the fist of the state, basically mm-hmm. bringing that violence down on people who are just gathering and assembling. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that means we lend our support to them at all, but I think when you can understand where someone is coming from and at least think, hey, this is this is another human being. Mm-hmm. This person has feelings and needs just mm-hmm. like I have because we're both humans. And clear, clearly their needs are not being met. Yeah. If they're acting in this aggressive way. Yeah. Something is wrong there. And if, you know, maybe we could get help get them in touch with those needs that are not mm-hmm. being met, then maybe it could go a long way towards decreasing this level of violence or eliminating it entirely. Definitely. And and try to show them that they can meet their needs without harming other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think in that instance, you know, that cop needs order, needs safety, probably Mm -hmm. a little bit, maybe a little bit scared for his own security. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he was probably feeling fear Mm -hmm. as, as the biggest thing that I noticed, Um, you know, just the look on his face. He looked real angry. He looked real fearful. Mm -hmm. 
And I could understand a feeling of fear if you think that things are going out of control or, be, or, mm-hmm. or becoming chaotic. Maybe right. he thought that. So I, I can understand feeling fearful of that. But mm-hmm. there are definitely ways that he could have gotten the order, I guess, or the reassurance mm-hmm. that his physical, his bodily integrity was safe and Right. You know, he was not going to get shot or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are definitely ways, you know, through just talking to the protesters or whatever, that he could have gotten the assurance that those needs would be met without having to use violence. And mm-hmm. I, I'm even kicking myself for saying having to, because, of course, he didn't have to. He always right. has the choice. Anyone always has the choice to act in a way that they're proud of or mm-hmm. not. Or, definitely. you know, you, you can always I think you can always get any need that you have met uh, without sacrificing others of your own needs or Mm -hmm. sacrificing other people's needs in the process. So yeah, that was an interesting thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, We did have a call come in. Let's see what this caller thinks. I'm going to take him on screen. Caller, you're on free talk live. Who's this? Hey, this is Andrew in mass. How's it going? Hi, Andrew. What's on your mind tonight? I actually have something different. I'd like to talk about if That's all right. No problem. Um, What I'm, what I've been thinking about or what's kind of been bothering me lately is I've been thinking that, um, in my life, I've kind of experienced um, a type of magnetism where um, positive experiences and positive results seem to be get more positive experiences and results. And um, mm. on the flip side of the coin, you know, negative experiences and negative results seem to be like a magnet. And I'm not one who likes to deflect responsibility. I'm like a big fan of accepting you know, personal responsibility. Sure. But at the same time, I can't ignore the fact that you know, it just seems to be that, you know, when I have something positive happen in my life, it seems to, you know, other positive experiences seem to come about. And I'm wondering, you know, how do how do I direct my life into, like, or how do I put that into proper perspective? Like, you know, is there magnetism? They, you know, it seems empirically in my life that's true, but... This is an interesting uh, question, and if I understand it correctly, can I just clarify something? Are you talking about, like, the law of attraction, that kind of thing? Sure. I guess that would be a different way to say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if, I don't know. What What do you think, Hannah? You look like you have something to say. Oh, well, <clears throat> I think a lot of that has to do with how you view your experiences, probably. Meaning you can view an experience as being more positive or more negative, And then I think you're more likely to experience it that way. Like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That, hmm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Jason, do you have any yeah. thoughts? Uh, I mean, are we talking about in terms of relationship, or are we just talking about just general life experiences that things are going your way? Uh, you have a streak, either positive or negatively. Yeah, I think uh, Jason hit the nail on the head with his um, mm. his interpretation. Go, you know, yeah. that way. <laughs> Do you have and any? I'm not one. I'm not like a. I, I don't. I don't think about myself in terms of being like a mystic, but it it just seems like you know, how do I? You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mystical in my approach, but at the same time, I just can't ignore the fact that it seems like you you hit a streak and like you know you you're batting a thousand. The next thing you know, like you're batting two hundred, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. And you know, then you have a really bad bad year, bad month. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this is really interesting. And Andrew, it resonated with me a lot when you said you don't want to take a mystical approach to this because personally. I'm someone who likes to consider myself a rational person and isn't really into anything that sounds kind of spiritual. Mm-hmm. Or I really like evidence and I like to see things that are based in 
reality that we can mm-hmm. observe with our senses and so forth and, and reason from first principles. So, uh, you know, sometimes when people say stuff like, well, you know, the universe is giving you messages and it's telling you, you know, it's, it's controlling and pulling the strings that that really doesn't fly with me. Cause it seems just kind of hand waving and stuff. I think also there are so many people and so many different events that happen mm-hmm. that there are bound to be some events that seem odd or, you know, like they couldn't oh, just improbable. be random. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And I think for some reason, I do think that human beings may have a tendency to read into those events mm. and yeah, see patterns Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even improbable events have to happen sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) unless we remember that and unless we're educated about that, it can be very tempting to ascribe those kind of improbable happenings to Mm -hmm. some kind of supernatural force or something like that. But I don't think that's the right way to approach it. And we'll get more into this. Andrew, can you hang on? We'll bring you back in the next segment. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. More with more with Andrew coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can call us at 603-435-1105 and we'll be back. Give us a call. Welcome back to the show. This is Free Talk Live. We are so happy to have you listening to us tonight. My name is Stephanie. I'm Jason. And I'm still Hannah. (laughs) Very nice. I was worried that you had changed. You know, as a funny side note, Hannah and I, if you watch on the cam... You may not be able to tell the difference between us because we're sometimes I twins. even have trouble. <laughs> I know, so do I. I've seen pictures before where both of us are tagged, and I'm like, "Well, uh-huh. who's who?" <laughs> it's awkward for me because I'm Hannah's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward for me too. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't think Jason's made that mistake yet. <laughs> yet, yet. But anyway, hey, so <laughs> we've been having a great time in the studio. We've been dancing during the breaks to the safety dance, and I'm sure we will be dancing to other music as well but in the meantime while we're on the air and not having a dance party you can of course call us at 603-435-1105 and bring up whatever's on your mind and that was what andrew did last segment so we're going to bring andrew back on andrew you still there yes i'm here great so last segment we were discussing something that you brought up which was kind of a a question about how to make sure that you are on track, I guess, having a streak of good luck because you've noticed that in your own life, you seem to have, you know, kind of a streak of good things happen to you and a streak of bad things. And there seems to be not much reason as to which way things go for you. Is that an accurate summary? Yes, definitely. Hmm. Okay. So actually last segment, I think Hannah and Jason were wanting to clarify what you said a little bit and ask you if you could provide some examples, right? Lady and gentlemen. Indeed. Sure, I definitely can. Um, where, uh, for a few years, actually more than a few years, I had called uh, different places to be a ring announcer, and um, it just didn't seem to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, some person, uh, you know, they finally accepted. And from that, I got um, another ring announcing role because um, the person who, the, the other person who um, had inquired about um, my services, I told them, you know, if you want to see me, an example of me, I'll be on uh, TV tonight announcing um, a boxing um, show that will be on Nesson, uh, the, mm. the cable network that uh, the Red Sox are on. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it just seems that things t- seem to snowball for me. And uh, it, for most of my life, that seems to be way, the way things go. And um, I guess I described it as a form of magnetism and uh you know, I, I guess that does sound kind of mystical, but at the same time, empirically or you know, in terms of my life, it just seems that <laughs> that's how things go. And I'm, and I'm wondering 
huh. you know, how to put that into proper perspective. I, I wouldn't describe it as that. I mean, uh, somebody saw an example of uh, your talent and, uh, you know, they decided that they, you know, wanted you for the job. Can you give us an example of uh, your ringside announcer voice? <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. Introducing first, fighting out of the blue corner, from Keene, New Hampshire, Jason Tully. Woo! <laughs> Wow, that got me excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so that example actually clarified things a lot, I think, for for me and maybe for you guys as mm-hmm. well. You know, I, I think it's exactly like Jason said. You know, it was just you, someone was willing to give you a chance and then someone else saw an example of that and it mm-hmm. led to another gig. I think in this line of work where I guess we're performance artists to a certain extent, I think that's completely what happens. I mean... I know this has happened to me myself just from people hearing me on Free Talk Live. I've been asked to be a guest host on other podcasts and mm-hmm. radio shows as well. And from the volunteer work that I've been doing for Porkfest um, promotion, people have heard me there too and said, oh, you know, I'd like you to do this advertisement for me or something like that. So I think those things do have a tendency to snowball. But on the other hand, you know, I think if you if you want to not take a mystical approach to this, it always does kind of pay off if you invest time into your meeting your goals and if you can clearly define what your goals are, you can break them down into little steps and you can do what you can do every day and exert your fullest effort to make sure that you're meeting those little steps. So if your goal is to become a professional radio announcer, or let's just say, make it simple and say your goal is to land another gig on Nesson. Well, what can I do today to meet that goal? I can work on putting up my website. I can get together clips of my previous announcements that I've done and put together a portfolio. I can call some people that I know in the industry and ask if they're interested in having me on. And if you're doing all those things eventually and put, you know, putting at the effort into it and you really want to succeed at that, I think that you will definitely get where you're trying to go eventually. Um, I think when people get into slumps, I guess, if you will, and this has certainly happened to me in my own life with career stuff or with maybe fitness and stuff like that. I think when people get into slumps, they have some kind of a mental roadblock that's holding them back and they don't really want to reach that goal for some reason. And I think it's important if that is happening to you to identify it and to say, you know, I'm, I'm really not feeling motivated to make these calls today to ask if anyone wants to hire me. Do I really want to be doing this for a living? Do I really want mm-hmm. this? And I think thinking about what you want, and what your goals are is extremely helpful towards reaching them because just just that act of thinking about them will get your will get you into gear toward meeting those those things eventually. What do you what do you both think about I that? I think that was been yammering. A really great way of uh, describing it. I mean, yeah, I, totally I think agree. I couldn't agree couldn't agree yeah. more. And uh, I think the key word is persistence, and that seems to be true for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess uh, staying trying to stay resilient uh, during the the rough patches, and you know, keeping your eye focused on the goal. Uh, could ultimately be the key, I guess. Yeah, absolutely true. And another thing to add to that, I think, is that if you realize that you've been trying a certain strategy to meet your goal and the strategy hasn't been working and you can objectively say, okay, well, I called 10 people today and I called 10 people yesterday and I called 10 people for the past month every day and asked if they wanted to hire me and nobody wanted to hire me, yeah, maybe I need to switch approaches and try Mm -hmm. a different strategy. I think that can be helpful every once in a while to just take a step back and assess whether what you're whether the work you're doing is meeting your goals most efficiently. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one thing that I do is I, I try to remove the word lucky from my vernacular. I, I I consider you know when good things happen, I consider it good fortune, not uh, not luck. And because um, that makes you more responsible, right? Right, exactly. And yeah. I, I grew up in a Christian household, and I I was told, oh, just take it one day at a time, or it's in God's hands, and you know oh, wow. that 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 removes responsibility from you. But it sounds like uh, you are doing some good things, and I hope you keep it up. Andrew, does right, that you, does that answer your question? Yes, it does, and um, thank you very much for your response. I think it puts things into a better perspective for me. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. That means a lot to us if we were able to help out with that. So <laughs> thanks for the call, Andrew, and good luck. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about meeting life goals because we can apply that to really any situation. It's not just career. It's not just love or relationships. It's activism, too. It's mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I want to I want to get more freedom in this area of my life. What could I do today to get one step closer to that goal? Mm-hmm. And if every day you're getting one step closer to that goal, or if you're not and you realize it, then you know I think you're I think you're on the right track to to doing what you want to do. Right, and that's of course important to all of us in the room because you know we moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to achieve more liberty in our lifetime. Well, not all of oh, us. Oh, not but- all of us yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do hope to have Hannah. Eventually. Although I, I we'll still to. do have goals. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hannah has a lot of goals. And I know one of them is, you know, becoming a, a professional composer and maybe teaching some music as well to other people. That's so and like that. And as I see it, you know, you're actively pursuing those goals mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, that's true. Cool. And my ultimate goal is still to move to New Hampshire. It's one of my goals. So mm-hmm. I'm working on it. It just... Yeah. Interestingly <laughs> enough for me, uh, one of my goals several years ago, maybe uh, six, seven, eight years ago, that was at the point when I decided that I wanted to move to New Hampshire to participate in the Free State Project and be be an activist. So, you know, one of my goals was to finish my undergraduate education before I could do that. So I worked on that. Mm-hmm. And every day I was like, OK, well, I'm one step closer to graduating. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and pretty soon I'll be in New Hampshire. And then, you know, my other goals were to to get a place to live in New Hampshire and to find a, a job and something that I could do. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up eventually meeting all of those. And it was much easier to look at it as a stepwise process and just mm-hmm. break them down. If something seems overwhelming, the best thing you can do is break it into really small chunks that you can maybe bite off and solve in one day or one mm-hmm. week. And it also helps, I think, to write write things down so you can have a little checklist and say, OK, I'm going to check off this little step towards mm-hmm. towards reaching my goal. I know that sounds really like uh, sounds like a great idea to me. (laughs) But but you're so prolific uh, with your activism and and everything. I'm sure you are in your professional life, but you know, you and I um, work on activism projects and activism is professional for me too. By the way, well, good point. Yeah, Um, and uh, you must be super organized to get everything that you get done because, like, you you were talking about all the radio shows that you do, and then (laughs) um, you're a wonderful writer also. And I know you've helped see the Evolution Fund on a bunch of writing projects. Um, Oh, thank you. Working on free aid. Right. Yeah, free aid and, yeah. and pork fest and free talk live and therapy. A, a pork therapy, a lot of different stuff. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for appreciating the things that I do. And yeah, I mean, Jason, you're extremely prolific too. Just mm-hmm. every website I know has <laughs> involved you at some point. <laughs> My media empire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, this is Free Talk Live. You can, of course, call us. We do have a call on the line, but we're going to bring that caller on in the next segment. You can call us at 603-435-1105 and weigh in with your thoughts. What do you think about meeting goals? What do you think about activism, getting liberty in our lifetime? What's the best strategy? This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back. The 
The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. As we start off the second hour, I'm so glad to have you listening to our show tonight. We have been having a blast. We had our dance party in between every segment of the show so far to show solidarity with the arrestees at the Jefferson Memorial yesterday. And of course, you can go to cam.freetalklive.com or also cam.lrn.fm. That's the Liberty Radio Network. And you can see us dancing and see everything that we're doing in the studio. It's complete openness and transparency here on Free Talk Live. And (laughs) if you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, you can call us, of course, at 603-435-1105. And of course, I am your host, Stephanie. And Jason. And Hannah. Indeed. And get ready. It's the biggest liberty-oriented event of 2011, and it's happening this June 20th through the 26th. Will you be there? (laughs) The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is a week-long camping event held at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. From live performers to family fun to agorism in action, Porkfest has something for everyone who loves freedom. What are you waiting for? Be part of the premier freedom event of 2011. Visit Porkfest.com today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And I will be there at Porcupine Freedom Festival, as well as I think both of you co-hosts, right? Yep. I'll be there all week. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very excited mm-hmm. about that. I'll be there early to set up the free mm-hmm. aid tent. Mm-hmm. And that will be providing some volunteer emergency medical services and first aid at Porkfest, as mm-hmm. well as some basic uh, CPR education. Because you really can't depend on the state when you need to sa- save someone's life immediately and do CPR. Mm-hmm. Chances of survival go down by like 10% a minute or something like oh, wow. that. So it's real important to have people willing to help each other out. And we hope that nobody ever needs to, but it's mm-hmm. always good to be prepared. Well, that's awesome because like uh, Porkfest is a state-free event. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what there have been cops that have patrolled around like last year, but the uh, owners, Rogers Campground, have asked them not to return. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then we have, uh, you know, um, a voluntary medical service that uh, you and, uh, and uh, others are providing. And it's just, uh, it's a great community. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think, um, you know, the thing about Porkfest is that it shows that all of these things, be it safe food service or, you know, basic life support services, emergency medicine, um, anything from those to just, you know, party services and bands playing, those can all be provided on a completely voluntary basis. Um, even roads. I think there'll be some roads at Porkfest that are sponsored by different vendors and stuff in the mm-hmm. Agora Valley area, mm-hmm. which is where all the vendors will be gathered providing food and all kinds of other services. So, yep, you should definitely check out P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Get your ticket. It's extremely affordable. It's like 30 bucks for the whole weekend. And also they're going to be almost everyone there I've seen has guns, open carrying guns. That's and right. I've never felt more safe in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they even have these um, etiquette classes for, for mm-hmm. firearm safety and etiquette. So, yep, it's a very welcoming atmosphere. There's all kinds of really open minded people who are interested in freedom, mm-hmm. who get the ideas of liberty. You don't have to start off by the, explaining liberty to them. They, they already are 
probably most of the way there already. So it's a great place to meet some new friends and hopefully build the relationships that will help you um, abolish the state, right? <laughs> right. And hopefully inspire people to move to New Hampshire. Yes. You get to check it out uh, and, and see how nice the community is. I mean, we've all discovered this firsthand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm very glad to be here. And we did have a call on the line. This is someone who was actually present at the Jefferson Memorial yesterday and was one of the people who were arrested. And I believe he's called into Free Talk Live a few times this week to um, give some previews of the event. Ed, are you on the phone with us? I am. Can you all hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Ed Dickey, one of the people who was protesting the um, I guess peacefully assembling for the right to peacefully dance at the Jefferson Memorial yesterday, and I believe wanted to call and fill us in on some of the details. Now, we talked about this yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday's events extensively in the first hour of the show tonight, and the archive will be available later at freetalklive.com. But, Ed, did you happen to catch any of that, and um, did we miss anything that you wanted to discuss? Um, well, I... I... I'm not too sure. I wasn't able to pick up too much on, on of the of the show uh, as far as tonight. I've had a couple other interviews. So. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. <laughs> well, Ed, uh, I asked you to call in because I was wondering if you could talk about. Um, well, I'd like to hear like your motivations for because um, you were the organizer of the event, but I'd also like to hear what's going to happen on next Saturday and and in the future. Oh, good question. Um, yeah. Well. Uh, as far as motivation, um, you know, Jason, I, I had no idea what had happened to you guys uh, two years ago until uh, Ian had brought it up, um, I guess maybe last Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, just hearing about this and uh, just the whole idea of um, freedom of expression in, in, a, in a public area, a public forum, uh, you know, of all places, Thomas Jefferson's memorial. Uh, it was just outrageous to me. And uh, watching the video that you had taken of uh, that young woman being slammed against the column and arrested for um, uh, just uh, peaceably uh, expressing herself, it was a, it, it was a travesty. Yeah, you know, it, Ed, it always makes me really uncomfortable to watch those videos of completely peaceful people being arrested and manhandled and treated so roughly by police. Um, The only, I guess, silver lining I can see out of that kind of footage, though, is that it really just exposes the violence of the state so well. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, I had two goals, really. Um, First, you know, of course, course and foremost is the expression of, of, of my spirit and my heart and and uh, and and uh, the right to uh, to express myself under the First Amendment. Yeah. And but uh, I know the state, and I know how it works, and I knew that uh, the state is a, it's a, it's a one trick a one trick pony. Uh, it's got one trick up its sleeve, and, and and that's the threat of violence and coercion. And uh, I knew that uh, if we brought this into the light of day. If we did this in the middle of the daytime, mm-hmm. and uh, if we if we just uh, followed through with the media blitz, and uh, thanks to to Jason and everyone else being right on top of this, I knew that we could drag out into the light the violence that is the state and the violence that they commit every day against peaceful, ordinary people. 
Yep, I think that was done very effectively, Ed. And I I really like the fact that you contacted so many media organizations beforehand and had them ready with their cameras and not just that, but independent journalists as well with their cameras filming everything that was going on. And the one of the biggest things I noticed about watching the video that, that came out from yesterday's event was that the police were in the faces of everyone with cameras, no matter who they were, mainstream media or independent journalists and bloggers, just saying, if you continue to film, you will be arrested and pushing them, shoving them in some cases. And it was just so uncalled for. It was so obvious that what they were doing was just so inappropriate. Absolutely. You know, I was I was in there. I came up there early by, you know, 10 o'clock or so. Sure. And people were freely walking around within that area and myself included, uh, videotaping and taking pictures. Right. So it, so it became a free speech zone, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It became a so-called free speech zone, right? Right when they decided <laughs> that they were going to pull that switch and and decide that they were going to restrict the media being there. Well, that's it. You know, uh, they're the deciders. <laughs> yeah, and you have to just you you have to see that footage, and you have to think. You know, they must really be feeling conflicted about what they're doing. How could they possibly be proud of what they're doing? Arresting completely peaceful people in a very brutal manner and then trying to suppress the evidence. You have to think there's some cognitive dissonance going on because they don't want other people to see what they're doing. They're not proud of it. Right? Right. And, and you know, when you're in that situation, once you've, you've got the cuffs on and, and you're sitting there, you know, that's what we were talking to these guys about. You know, I was asking them, you know, is this the world that you want your children to grow up in? That's and, a very good uh, question. And, there, and there is just this um, wall. There's this wall uh, that that they're trained to maintain. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, it, it, it's all about in- intimidation. Um, or, you know, just the whole fact of the uniforms, the glasses, the firearm on the side, the whole uh, 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 image of this supposed authority figure. Um, yep, absolutely, and, Ed. Um, uh, Ed, do you have more? I think we can we can bring you back in the next minute. Can you hang with us? Oh, you bet you got. Great. More with Ed when we come back. He was there yesterday during the historic arrest at the Jefferson Memorial. Five people arrested for peacefully dancing. We'll hear more about it when we return. This is Free Talk Live, and we'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. I am Stephanie. I'm Jason. I'm Hannah. Indeed. We enjoyed a nice little dance party during the break. And we were talking to Ed on the line in our last segment. He was telling us more about the brutal crackdown that happened on several activists dancing at the Jefferson Memorial yesterday. And Ed, are you still with us? I am, and I love you guys. <laughs> I love the uh, studio cam dancing away there. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. We we did it for you and for everybody else who was there yesterday. That's Especially right. you. Sol- solidarity. I love it. Thank you. Nice hat there, Jason. <laughs> thanks, thanks. They keep it in the uh, in the LRN studios here. So I had to put it on. Yeah, this. I think that hat it's was a little preview. It was a little preview of Ian's costume, Ian Freeman's costume for uh, Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party, <laughs> which will be happening at Porkfest. Uh, <laughs> and Ed, are you? Um, before we get back into talking about the events yesterday, do you think you'll be making it out to Porkfest this year? 
I, I am, actually, and oh, uh, we plan on uh, staying there the whole week with you guys. Oh, awesome. Um, so I'm going to be hosting a panel discussion on uh, activists and arrests, and I'd love for you to be on it. Can you? Uh, would you like to do that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> so, Ed, in the last segment before we got um, interrupted by the break, we were discussing kind of some of the, I guess, psychology, This, you know, the cops um, – they really don't know what to do when people don't immediately obey them. And you were saying that they have this way of just being intimidating and it's, it's everything from the blue costume to their, you know, mirrored sunglasses. So you can't tell what they're looking at to the firearm displayed very openly uh, as a symbol of the force that they are willing to use on you or anyone else who disobeys them. And uh, you know, when someone responds to that whole picture with uh, peace or with playfulness, laughing, dancing, with kind of the uh, the freedom of spirit to not just fall in line with whatever they want you to do. They really don't know how to handle it, I think. And I think that is one of the reasons why they became so violent yesterday, because I I just don't exactly. think... Exactly. It, it makes them click off of safety mode. Yeah. And that's exactly what we saw. Uh, the epitome of, of, of the whole intimidation uh, that, that we're talking about, there's the part of that clip where you see Adam... And the cop, the man with the badge and a gun, facing each other off. Do you all remember that little quick scene? Uh, refresh your memory for our listeners, because maybe maybe not well, all of them have seen it. It's just a quick scene in there where they're both face-to-face, Adam and this police officer. And it's just, they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I, it was clear that the police officer was trying to intimidate Adam. And, uh, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really work all that well. But there's this quote that I keep going back to, and uh, and the the decision by the judge who um, it was actually an appeal. This has uh, gone through the court system twice, and uh, uh, the first ruling um, Overwetter was uh, still found guilty. And this, but the second one, um, the judge said uh, the reason that they that Oberwetter was arrested was to maintain an atmosphere of calm, tranquility, and reverence. Mm-hmm. Now, who who were the people that uh, you know broke the tranquility and uh, and made it less calm? I think it was the people that uh, you know choked and 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 body slammed and and put people in chains. Don't you? Well, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they could have just watched us uh, dance around and, and and make fools of ourselves for a few minutes, and we would have been fine with that. We would have picked up and we could all go. We would have gone and met at a restaurant and had margaritas or, or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't go down that way. Hey, so tell us, uh, I mean, uh, you, did you guys learn your lesson? I mean, what's going to happen <laughs> in the future? Oh, yeah, we learned it real good. We're going to uh, show back up at noon this Saturday, and uh, supposedly there was a Fox interview, I guess, with the, with the uh with the the park police, and uh, so they are saying that this that they will be ready for us. You know, I looked at the wow. um, the Facebook event. Adam went ahead and took it over, and uh, it, it's over six hundred people that are saying that they're going to attend. So it's just a quarter of that shows up. Uh, we're gonna have a. Uh, we're going to have a, a really interesting time. We'll see. That's and, fantastic. And speaking of responding to cops, you know, by sh- by demonstrating your freedom. And my favorite part of the video is when you got handcuffed and then you like got back up and started and kept dancing. Yeah. I just thought that was so cute. Oh, yeah. And then they had they didn't know what to do. So they took you and they physically like 
sat you down on the ground, you know, like a timeout. Or, yeah, you know, it, it's always almost like as if to say, you know, you can chain my body, but you can never chain my mind. And I love that expression. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, you said there was about uh, 600 or so people that have signed up. I've noticed some of the names and um, they don't live in D.C. So I think a lot of people are going to be doing a dance in solidarity um, next Saturday at noon, is it? Yes, Eastern Time. Right. And so um, even if people don't want to dance, it's uh, really important that uh, they show up with cameras or even just be, you know, witnesses to uh, what takes place. And uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. I I have a lot of pride in uh, what you guys did because, you know, I I just think that Jefferson— yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, and been so there I, since the beginning, I want to I want to thank you and and everybody else who is uh, you know willing to do this. Some people say, oh, you know, why why is it this issue? Well, aggression, you know, uh, can't be tolerated in any single instance. And uh, whenever there is a crackdown like that, you need more and more people to show up. So I would encourage people if they live in D.C. or Virginia or Maryland, you know, show Anywhere. up, support uh, sh- support these uh, these brave people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to add to what you said, Jason, you keep coming back to that quote about an atmosphere of reverence. And I think that especially someone like Thomas Jefferson wouldn't have wanted people to have reverence for arbitrary laws, no matter what they may be, no matter how silly and pointless they may be. Maybe he would have liked for people to have reverence for natural law, but not these arbitrary laws that are just restricting the human spirit, essentially. Right. I think it would be great if somebody wanted to put on a Thomas Jefferson costume. That would be the photo op of uh, seeing oh, yeah. that, that person. Hey, in maybe Canada. Uncle Sam will come in from Liberty on Tour. <laughs> There's a little caricature that they always like to have at our, our friends at Liberty on Tour. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ed, did you have any final thoughts or was that, um, do you want to let people know more about the, the, the event that's happening next weekend? Can they find that on Facebook? Well, we all know that it's, um, actually, I don't have the uh, page up as far as the Facebook page. People can go to um, jeffersondanceparty.info, and there's a link to the uh, Facebook event, and um, I'm going to continue blogging there uh, every step of the way, and I hope we attract uh, more bloggers. Ed, if you want to blog there and just keep people informed in, in that one place, I think that'd be great. Right. Well, yeah. listen, um, Thank you so much for uh, for all of your time, everything y'all are doing. Uh, please keep dancing in between the breaks. <laughs> and, uh, I, I will definitely keep on watching you guys and listening in uh, for as long as I can for the rest of tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much for calling, Ed. We really do appreciate it. And we will certainly keep dancing during the breaks for you. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you at Pork Fest and we'll dance more there. Yeah, we sure will. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ed. We will. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Great. Wow, that was that was just great to have his perspective on it as someone who was actually there mm-hmm. and who was um, right on the ground watching all that happening. It, and I'm so glad that for so much of the major media coverage that this has been getting, he mentioned Fox News, and I know I saw lots of video cameras there, so I'm sure this won't be the end of the story. But you never know what, uh, I mean, you do know what Fox is going to take away from it. I mean, they interviewed the Park Police, and, uh, you know, they're expecting more people to show up. They're going to have more officers there, so mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, stay tuned. They're going to be live streaming it uh, Saturday at noon. Yeah, exciting, although I I wish that there was some way to get the message to the people on the side of the state that violence is not the way to handle the situation. Maybe through some of the media coverage we can. Anyway, this is Free Talk Live. We'll be back with more coming up. 603-435-1105 is our number. Call us, bring up anything on your mind. Free Talk Live. Welcome back. This is Free Talk Live. We're so happy to have you listening to our show tonight. My name is Stephanie. I'm Jason. And I'm Hannah. 
Yes, indeed. And we're glad to have you with us, as we just said. (laughs) And I'm glad to have you with us. Uh, (laughs) Jason and Hannah, you guys have been doing a great job as co-hosts so far. And I want to thank you so much for coming in before I forget. And we've been having a lot of fun during the breaks doing our dance party in uh, solidarity with the people who were arrested yesterday at Jefferson Memorial. So we encourage any members of our audience to dance at home along with us. Even though you can't (laughs) hear the music, you can still put on some of your own maybe in an iPod or something like that, or headphones, and just let it rip. And call us and let us know what you're, what you're dancing to tonight. Our number is 603-435-1105. You can always call and bring up anything that's on your mind. And I guess we wanted to get into some local activism news, right, uh, Jason and Hannah? We yeah. were talking about Dave Ridley, who is a pretty well-known journalist, independent journalist here in the free state of New Hampshire. And he has a uh, I guess video blog called the Ridley Report, where he puts out different videos, pretty much almost a daily basis. Seems I would, like it. Yeah, yeah. He's very, very prolific, and you know he has this certain style of videography where he puts together a video which requires very minimal editing, if any at all. So he's able to do that really quickly and keep everyone updated. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty well known for that and I know has been responsible for bringing a lot of people into the liberty movement and getting them excited about the activism that's going on here in the ground in New Hampshire. So when he was arrested the other day, it was kind of a surprise. Um, You know, he's always been someone who's been very willing to stand up, I guess, for the rights of journalists to record. And several years back, he kind of made a stand on this issue and was arrested for filming in a court lobby, which I believe led to some other arrests down the line, including that of uh, Sam Dodson, who spent something like 60 days in jail with no charges because he refused to process after being arrested for filming in a court lobby at Dave Ridley's trial. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so Dave, uh, that was a little bit of a complicated uh, story, but Dave has been for a very long time, someone who's adamant about freedom of the press. We all should be. Yes, absolutely. I, because I do consider all of us sitting here and, and all of you at home, anyone who's ever blogged or ever shared something on Facebook or ever shared something on your personal website or made a YouTube video, you, you're you all journalists. And don't be afraid to call yourselves that because you have the same rights that someone from CBS News has, you know? Right. And I mean... Mainstream media isn't going to cover all the stories that you want to see out there. Like I yeah. live uh, in uh, Free Grafton in the Shire, and there's no media outlet there, um, you know, other than me. And I try to look for, <laughs> I try to look for like the victims of government violence because that's the beat that I want to cover. Um, in addition to activism, and uh, you know, Ridley covers the uh, the activism scene. I I think that's the best type of activism to pick up a camera, you know, uh, learn how to edit it and get it online. Uh, it's going to inspire people. It's you're going to, you're going to become an advocate uh, for these uh, these victims and, and these activists, and you're going to you know show the world, in many cases, the violence inherent in the system uh, when you're taking a video of government officials. Yeah, and it's so rewarding when you hear people who say, "Wow, I saw your video and it was just really compelling." And you know, Jason has Tally TV, which is uh, you can go to Tally.tv is your website, right? Right. And you can watch all of his videos that he's made over the years that he's been here and even before um, being in Free Grafton, and Man, Jason, you have some of the most pro- prolific and uh, compelling content out there. Thank Just you every time much. I see it, yeah, some of your videos, mo- multiple of your videos have caused me, has, have triggered tears when I've seen friends getting arrested and um, things of that nature. So if you can make me cry, then I think <laughs> <laughs> I think you're well on the way to exposing the violence of the state to people who may never have considered it before. So I think it's real important to have all these media sources out there. 
Yeah, I mean, always have the cameras rolling. I mean, uh, Hannah and yeah. I, we were uh, driving here, and uh, uh, Hannah was pulled over. And uh, I really, uh, oh, uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. And, and so I, uh, it, it was, it was rather uneventful. But I was filming. I told the cop I'm audio and video recording. And then uh, I, I don't know how the cop would have acted, but it, knowing mm-hmm. that he was on uh, film, he was, you know, polite, and uh, you know, wow. it was, it was um, expedited. And we... Now, do you think that had anything to do with your Free Talk Live bumper sticker, Hannah? <laughs> well, he pulled me over. He was standing in front of my car, so okay. I, don't, I don't know if you saw my Free Talk Live, but, but um, uh, supposedly I was going over the speed limit. So, hmm. And did you receive a ticket or I got a you... warning? Ooh, yeah. bad girl. I know. do that again. Tisk tisk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad it was uneventful. And who knows? Yeah. You know, you can't you can't predict the future. You can't know how it would have gone if Jason didn't have his video camera right there mm-hmm. ready. But that's awesome that you did. And you know, I think that it definitely motivates people to conduct themselves in a way that they're proud of mm-hmm. if they're going to be on film and other people could potentially see what they're doing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. very important. But I, I didn't mean to hijack the conversation because what, what's, what's happening with uh, Dave Ridley is very important. Uh, yeah. He was covering an event uh, that uh, Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States of America, was speaking in front of a bunch of um, New Hampshire Democrats. Right. And at, this was at this was on private property. This was at a hotel right in Nashville. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, from what I gather, the uh, police um, kind of um, wanted the hotel or asked, you know, the hotel employees, you know, can you do something about uh, this guy? Yeah, get and him to leave. So you did yeah. have a hotel employee that asked Ridley to leave the property, and so uh, Ridley uh, left. He um, he was filming as he was leaving, so he's facing people. The cops were giving him a, a hard time, um, but eventually they left him alone until he was in the parking lot, still walking backwards, still filming, and then uh, two of the officers um, uh, demanded his name, uh, and his information and eventually arrest him and molested him. Yes. And when you say molested him, um, this was something that he was particularly upset about, not just the fact that he was essentially arrested because he was filming, but also that he was touched in a way that he didn't want to be touched during that arrest process. So, you know, um, and he was actually on Free Talk Live this week describing the experience and what happened after he was released from from Nashua, uh, from Valley Street Jail. Um, He did he did talk about that. But, you know, this weekend he organized a protest basically to let the Nashville Police Department know that he was not comfortable with the way that he was touched. And um, several people came out to it. Right. We saw some streaming video. And, you know, we were talking about social media earlier in the show and how that has really changed things on the activism front. And I'd love it if someone who was there, maybe who was listening, could call in and give us a report. But from what I heard, it was pretty uneventful. I saw a video with uh, the Friday night co-host of Free Talk Live, Michelle Seven, was there, and she was talking about why she supports David Lee and what he's doing, standing up for freedom of the press. And there were some interesting signs at this event, too. They were just kind of waving at cars that went by. One guy had a sign that said something like, don't don't touch my junk, which was the line that was made famous by John Tyner of the uh, uh, guy who lives in California, who is an uh, activist who... Uh, stands up against the TSA, I guess you could say. And so somebody had a sign that said, don't touch my junk. And he was holding the sign um, on a picture, on a drawing of a pair of jeans. And he was holding the sign on the crotch of the jeans. Where it really would have been touched. Yes. (laughs) So I thought that was cute and creative. The Nashville Police Department, in my experience, uh, they're... They're they're awful. I don't know if there's a lot of free that live yeah. in Nashua, so there's maybe a few. Not, there's it, a few for sure. 
But uh, it was uh, it, there was that one time that we had the Nashua 420 celebration just after I moved here, oh, yeah. and they arrested a a young black man, and uh, a lot of um, uh, people who moved here for the Free State came to his defense. Uh, some sat in front of the police car, others stood in front of it. Um, and Multiple so, video cameras, yeah. lots oh, of yeah. documentation of that. Yeah, and and so um, as a response to that, when they uh, took our friends away and this uh, peaceful person um, for uh, smoking uh, marijuana cigarette, uh, you had uh, activists that filled the lobby of the Nashua Police Station uh, singing you know, very peacefully, yeah. yet getting their point across. And and we were just talking about singing and dancing as a form of showing your freedom, even in the face of severe aggression and violence. Just showing that you have that basic human spirit of wanting to be free in any circumstance and you know you can you can chain my body but you can't chain my mind that kind of thing yeah, yeah there's like uh, Stephanie was mentioning there's a lot of video uh, from that event and you can hear me you know uh, doing some chanting and things like that and then when we got to the uh, National Police Station uh, Richard Onley decided to pass out song sheets of um, was it We Will Overcome or, or something yeah. and that's just such a much better message because it, sh- it reveals us as the peaceful people that we are yep absolutely I think people um, have an intrinsic knowledge of those Civil War era songs about freedom and that really appeals to something basic. Anyway, this is Free Talk Live. You can call us with your thoughts 603-435-1105 Let us know what's on your mind and we'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you listening tonight. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jason. And I'm Hannah. Wow, that was quick. (laughs) You guys are right on top of things. (laughs) Yep, thank you so much for listening to our show. We are having a blast. We've been continuing our dance marathon during the breaks. This time we had a little different song, a little swing jazz inspired theme. (laughs) Thanks to yours truly. Yep, thanks to yours truly. Yeah, (laughs) Hannah is a jazz, uh, studies jazz composition, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, composition, performance, cool all that stuff. So we we had some French electronica, and then we went to some uh, U.S. oldies, chubby checker, chubby checker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so a wide variety of dancing in the studio on Free Talk Live, and of course you can call us at any time. Bring up whatever's on your mind. You can call us at 603-435-1105. That's our number here in the studio. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about some more local activism news, I guess you could say. And so we we discussed the Jefferson Memorial and we talked about um, Dave Ridley's arrest, which happened also this week, and his outreach event, I guess you could say. it wasn't. I wouldn't really call it a protest, what happened today, but just an outreach event at the Nashua PD, letting people, letting the public be aware of how they treated him and maybe they wouldn't be so happy knowing that money is being stolen from them to fund the people who are roughing up videographers, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, Ridley is there so that he can uh, provide transparency to the government and uh, let people that were driving by the police station, you know, know what uh, these people who are supposed to be their public servants are are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... uh, you know why do they uh, why do they want to uh, harass people with the video cameras? Uh, because maybe they don't want their activities to be known. I, I don't know what, what is the threat uh, with just simple video cameras. Yeah, and I think people like Thomas Jefferson and who lived in his day and who were maybe interested in uh, at least some of the ideas of freedom. I think this is the kind of thing that they might have envisioned if the technology were there at this time. They might have envisioned journalists keeping an eye on the government, kind of acting as a check on their on their power so that the power didn't grow out of control. And, 
you know, <laughs> that's why it's so ironic that the the fact that these arrests happened because I'm sure Jefferson was just rolling over in his grave. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, at the Jefferson Memorial, you know, they, they pushed out the media and not just, you know, uh, the average person with a video camera. But like you said, uh, NBC News, yeah. you know, the, you can see one of the videos where the officer um, is pushing the NBC reporter out. Um, yeah, it's getting a lot more common these days to hear stories. It used to be that they would just harass the independent journalists. And if you didn't have some kind of a press badge from a major news organization that they recognized, then they would tell you, you know, you have to get out of here and stop filming. But it's getting more and more common these days for police to act really brutally toward just mainstream journalists that they never would have done that to five, ten years ago. And, you know, it was funny, actually, this weekend I was at the Bardo Farm Festival um, volunteering with Free Aid, the organization that's providing volunteer first aid and emergency medical services at Liberty events this summer and beyond. And I heard a story from one of my co-volunteers, Jacob, and he was telling me that there was this paramedic that he knew who um, the paramedics were called because a woman was having a uh, mental health episode and she was um, had become psychotic and was you know not taking her medications and she had schizophrenia so her family had called the i, I guess had called 911 to take her to the hospital because they were afraid that she would harm herself so the paramedics came but also the police were called and they came as well and a paramedic apparently was trying to kind of subdue the person who was having a psychotic episode and um just you know get them to the hospital so they could be be treated but the police got there and saw what was happening and pulled out their tasers and wanted to tase the woman who was meant, you know, was ill. Mm. And so the, the paramedic actually stepped in between the cop and the woman who was the patient mm -hmm. and said, no, you, you can't tase this person. They're sick. You know, they need help. They don't need to be uh, hurt. And the paramedic was charged with disorderly conduct, wow. obstructing government justice or whatever they call it. You know, multiple of these charges that are kind of catch-all charges when mm -hmm. just when someone acts out of line with what the police think is appropriate behavior. The paramedic was charged with these and didn't take uh, the plea deal. She pled not mm -hmm. guilty, and eventually the uh, charges were dropped. That's great. But, uh, I mean, that's the problem when you call this uh, government phone number. You know, not only do you have, you know, people who are there to care for, for people, you know, these uh, first responders and people in the ambulance and the healthcare field, mm -hmm. but you also have cops on the scene and, yeah. you know, they, they bring their guns and their tasers along and they have a, a totally different approach. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's ironic because most police don't have much medical training. I mean, in some places, I get, I believe in New Hampshire, they are required to be at least um, CPR certified. But... They may not be aware of something like, you know, someone has schizophrenia and they might be not really in their right state of mind and or somebody's having a diabetic seizure and their blood sugar is low. We, we hear mm -hmm. countless stories of people who are diabetic being tased and roughed up and handcuffed when they're seizing and that, you know, they their muscle spasms are hurting them. So there's all kinds of situations that could happen. And I don't think the answer is to give police more medical training. I think the answer is to for them to be peace officers and to actually think of people who are having maybe medical problems as someone that needs help and not someone who is potentially dangerous or violent or about to hurt them. I mean, if we, if they just, not we, because I view them as human beings, but if the police were to view people who need medical help as human beings and not just another threat, it would really go a long way towards um, helping them, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, sentiment that's anti-cop, and um, 
you know, you do have to treat these people as individuals. When I was in the Air Force, I was a, a security police officer. I went through the Security Police Academy. Oh. And then, uh, you know, we know people. I can't picture that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> but we know people like uh, Pete Ayer of uh, LibertyOnTour.com. He yeah. went through law enforcement training. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's a lot of other people that you know, have a military background and stuff. But, you know, they, they rejected um, those paths. I, I rejected becoming a, a civilian um, person in law enforcement because I can't enforce these bad laws. And so I'd like yeah. to, you know, be able to reach out to uh, those in law enforcement. And we talk about jury nullification, but, you know, everybody can nullify bad laws in their different positions. And so yeah. cops can use a, a great deal of discretion. And I would just encourage them to, you know, to treat others like they would be, like to be treated, essentially. I think we have to consider how we deal with people in those positions, with mm-hmm. cops and people in positions of power. And um, I, I really... Uh, like the approach of of trying to empathize with them, even though mm-hmm. it's difficult to do when they're aggressing against you, yes, and they're harming your friends. It's really difficult to try to understand where they're coming from and see the human in them. Um, but I think that's that's really important, and that's really the only way that we'll be able to connect with them. Oh yeah, because when if you can help someone get in touch with their own feelings and needs that may not being be being met, then it goes a long way towards you both seeing each other you form this kind of empathetic connection and you both see each other as human beings instead of just oh the, they're a pig or they're a cop mm-hmm. you know or or they're a they're a gang member they're a thug you know all right. these things are just kind of collectivizations mm-hmm. and there are human beings in there and in the case of people like you know jason Pete um puke who's on the show sometimes was in the military jj was in the military mm-hmm. uh, another co-host of free talk live i think all of those all of you um probably seeked out those positions because you had a desire to help people and a desire to be a protector and to be someone who could assist in a crisis or something like that. And once you realized that that government was not a means to that end, you had no choice but to get out of those lines of work, right? Well, a lot of us, you know, we still respond to uh, crises or, um, you know, situations where people are in need, but um, they're a little bit different now. We uh, I won't speak for other people, but we view human beings' actions and whether or not they have a, a shiny tin badge on their chest um, is irre- irrelevant in a, in a lot of cases. You know, we try to hold them accountable for what they're doing. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they always they, have a choice to act yeah. in a moral manner or not. And right. Yeah. To think about that is very important. And to not just say, oh, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing what my higher up ordered me to do. I'm thinking about my own actions and how those reflect on me as a person and how those mesh with my sense of right and wrong. Right. Right. And I think uh, we, uh, you know, as a community need to hold them accountable and not let people off the hook just because they're just doing their job. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the Nuremberg defense, yeah. um, <laughs> which didn't Nur- fly. Yeah, Nuremberg, of course, is the uh, the trials after World War II where people were tried for war crimes, and you know people tried to say, you know, well, I was getting paid for it. This is my my job. This is they, this was in my job descriptions, and they would do horrible acts, including um, uh, acts that perpetrated the Holocaust. Uh, yes. And so it didn't fly then. It doesn't fly now. People are, need to be um, uh, personally responsible for their actions. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, that's also part of what we're trying to do as an organization, as an organization with um, free aid, which uh, now we actually have a website up. It's fr33aid.com. And 
I think one of the major missions, you know, we do these volunteer emergency medical services and CPR education and stuff, but the real main point that we are trying to accomplish is to show people that these really much needed services like healthcare and um, assistance in times of crisis can be provided on a voluntary basis without the need to steal money from people to fund them. And that's really important. So Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. You can give us a call. Second hour is coming up. We'll be back. Give us a call with your thoughts. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. We are kicking off the third hour, and I'm Stephanie here with you. I'm still Jason. And I'm still Hannah, believe it or not. Wow, I didn't believe it. <laughs> After all that dancing, I was afraid you transformed into someone else. <laughs> Michael Jackson, right? Yeah, Michael exactly. Jackson. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you'd think. <laughs> yep, we had a great time. We had the pimp hat come out in the studio. Which we had, had Mandrick and we had Ian dance from, with us this time. Uh, yeah, Mandrick from George's famous baklava, right? The agorist baklava vendor, <laughs> I guess you could say. And yeah, that's actually a good lead into what we wanted to discuss in this uh, segment, starting off the third hour. Um, there, there was a festival this weekend called the Bardo Farm Festival, full of some liberty lovers. And some say it's kind of a prequel to Porkfest. I, I like to call it the prequill to Porkfest, a porcupine uh-huh. reference. Nice. Well done there, Stephanie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know me and the puns. I like my, I like my puns. <laughs> Sometimes I think Hannah's the only one who appreciates them. But... Oh, yeah. I, I like to torture Jason with my puns. That's one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> yes. Somebody help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. If you want to give some help, you can call in 603-435-1105. Bring up whatever's on your mind. And in the meantime, we're going to talk about what we experienced over the weekend, local news, activism, even national news, as we were discussing before. So Bardo Farm Festival, um, it was a really interesting experience. There are a couple of people who moved here for the Free State Project a couple of years ago after attending a Porcupine Freedom Festival and just deciding that they liked it so much they didn't want to leave. They actually moved from a kind of a bigger city. And they decided that they were going to kind of have a a change in their lifestyle, I guess you could say, and, excuse me, do a lot of stuff that was related to self-sufficiency and kind of off-the-grid living. So they basically bought this homestead with a large 250-acre property in one of the towns in New Hampshire that's very rural. I believe they have like one of the lowest property tax rates in New Hampshire, so I'm sure that was probably a factor as well. And they graciously open up their farm and their property to people every year to camp out on, And as they, as they did this year. And it was a pretty big event. I would say a couple hundred people there over the course of the weekend. Many of them 
Free State Project participants and liberty activists, but not all. A lot of people there who were kind of just liberty friendly, liberty curious. Um, it also kind of coincided with a wedding anniversary for one of the couples who lives on the farm. And so they brought a lot of their old friends from their hometown and people that they've known from their lives who are not necessarily liberty activists, but I would say are there on a lot of different issues, especially when you meet young people. Um, many of them are really against the war on drugs. And so that's often a great issue to start talking to them about. And, you know, I think you can find a lot of common ground just starting off on certain single issues, especially if you know that someone is already interested in those things. Yeah. Well, Hannah and I weren't able to make it to Bardo um, Farm Festival. We, mm-hmm. I was there last year and I had a great time. Yeah. But we were in Connecticut and we had a chance to uh, talk to some uh, some friends of uh, Hannah's mom about what you were talking about, the mm-hmm. war on drugs, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, um, the, the war abroad and all these things that the government does, whether it's bailouts. There's just so many examples. Yeah. And, you know, why to explain, you know, why I can't support uh, the, the U.S. federal government. Right. Um, but there's just so many leads. And, and we actually had a lot of common ground. It was a good mm-hmm. experience. Oh, interesting. So can you tell me a little bit more about that conversation? Because I know we wanted to kind of talk about uh, communicating the ideas of liberty. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was actually a really good experience for me trying to uh, connect with uh, their their needs. Like yep. when I was, you know, we were talking about um, free market versus, you know, a lot of government regulations. And, and I could I could hear in what they were saying that they had, you know, a need for order, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that led me to, to try to explain to them how I could foresee a, you know, a world where there would still be order, but you don't need that element of aggression in there mm-hmm. and that people can, can voluntarily, um, work with one another to create order. And, but, but yeah, um, it's, I think it's really important when, uh, talking with other people, if you really want to understand, if you want to, um, communicate your thoughts to them, it's really important to connect with them empathetically Yes, and, and try to figure out where they're coming from and and what needs they're trying to express, even if they're not necessarily doing it in such a productive way. Absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, I've heard a lot of other people say this in the same concept in kind of a different way. I've heard people say, well, when you're trying to talk to someone about the ideas of liberty, you got to find out which issues are the most important for them. Mm -hmm. So are they someone who cares about maybe the war on terrorism? Are they someone who is concerned about safety and you know maybe in that law and order mentality well you know you can kind of work that angle and talk about that but i think talking about connecting with them empathetically Mm -hmm. and showing them that you are aware of the things that they need as a human being because all human beings really have the same fundamental needs Mm -hmm. and you're aware of how they're feeling whether it's um scared apprehensive uncertain Mm -hmm. you know you can provide them with something like clarity or uh, reassurance or safety or something like that that will really connect with them on a deep level Mm -hmm. and i think that's the way that's the way to to make progress with someone in a really significant way and not just be talking at them you know i I think we've all had those conversations where you're trying you're waiting to get in your point and you're not really listening to what the other person is saying and then that just leads to people being defensive and feeling like they need to, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like they're being attacked and they need to defend their viewpoint instead of absolutely. Um, feeling and the like mind just closes, right? Mm-hmm. The mind just kind of shuts down. They don't, they don't want to hear any new ideas because mm-hmm. they're, they're blocking their ears and saying, well, how can I um, get my point across or how can right. I put up these walls? So I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't get hurt by what this person is saying. 
Um, and yeah, I think it's a completely different approach to try to break down those barriers and mm-hmm. actually make a real connection with them. And you can do that with anyone, whether it's uh, your mother or father or a family friend or whether it's a police officer, mm-hmm. you know, or a bureaucrat that you meet. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say it's I mean, a lot of times it is difficult if someone's aggressing against you or harming one of your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult to see the, I mean, I guess I said this before, but it's difficult to see the humanness in that person and, sure. and to connect with them. But I really think that that's the only way. Um, but on the flip side, you might imagine that it, it might be difficult for them to, like, for instance, think about the Nashua PD. Mm-hmm. They probably get training from like the federal government. They probably get federal government grants from like the mm-hmm. Homeland Security or whatever office. A lot of them are probably former military and maybe had, have kicked down doors in Iraq or Afghanistan and are trained um, already to do that. They just apply that here. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. They've been told they've been told to think of people that they're. They've been told to think of anyone besides the ones that are wearing the same uniform as them as other, Mm -hmm. like not really human beings or at least not on the same level that they are. And Mm -hmm. so if you can really connect with them empathetically, you can show them that you are a human being and you know that they are, too. And you you find some common ground from there. And I think Mm -hmm. that really goes a long way. I don't know. Tell us your thoughts. What do you think about this kind of approach to communication, communicating the ideas of liberty? Call us 603-435-1105 and tell us uh, what you think. One thing that I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, when people hear that uh, I consider myself a a libertarian, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you know, you want to take away uh, all of the the services that I depend on. And And I make it clear, no, I don't at all. I mean, um, people really want these services. They want them so much that they don't mind being stolen from uh, from from a government. But I I like to talk about how all these services are bundled by this one organization, whether it's schools, um, roads, you know, things that are um, a lot of people think are are positive things. Mm-hmm. But they're also bond- bundled with war and you know bailouts and yeah. and all these perverse incentives that government provides. I don't want to deny anybody anything. I just want us to do it together voluntarily. I'd like strong, resilient communities that can determine what the needs are for that community on on whatever level mm-hmm. and and get together and and provide them uh, with government uh, with their uh, forcing all this on us uh, that prevents these strong communities. But those are the kind of things I want to build, and, and that's why I live in a very small area uh, at uh, in Grafton, New Hampshire. Um, which we cover at freegrafton.com, mm-hmm. because yeah. those are the kind of things that uh, we can do. And it's much more manageable on a smaller scale. But, um, yeah, whether it's we just did a beach cleanup, but, you know, we eventually want to. Oh, yeah, I like that video. I, I saw the video that Tally TV made about the beach cleanup in Grafton. And it was very interesting because uh, and of course, if you go to freegrafton.com, you can see that video as well as many others. Um, but there was basically, there's this guy and his nickname is Duffy or his name is Duffy. The nickname. Yeah. <laughs> and he is responsible for caretaking this beach that is property of the town of Grafton, right? Or- yeah, well, somebody donated it to the town of Grafton, but they haven't done anything with it. So yeah. he, he took it over. <laughs> he takes, he, you know, gets uh, donations and volunteers, including a, a lot of um, liberty-minded people showed up to help him. And it's great. I want to do more of that. Absolutely. It's wonderful to see that kind of thing. And I think it really helps show how these services can be provided voluntarily. Free Talk Live, more coming up. Give us a call. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. You know, we sound so professional when we come back from the breaks, but we're really... uh, we're really having a great time. We're dancing in the studio. <laughs> this is Stephanie with you. And Jason. And Hannah. Yes, indeed. 
And we've been having a wonderful night so far. If you want to call us with your thoughts, bring up anything that's on your mind, give us a call at 603-435-1105. And in the meantime, you should go to freetalklive.com and check out all the features there. It's one of the most prolific um, podcasts out there on the internet, actually. They have archives there going back to 2006 for your listening enjoyment, all kinds of other features, news, uh, the cam feed, and links to the Liberty Radio Network, and all kinds of other good stuff, all for free, so you should check it out. And the biggest freedom-themed event of 2011 is happening this summer from June 20th through the 26th. Will you be there? And I will be there. Me too. I will. <laughs> we will all be there. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival has something for everyone. This year, you can be a part of it. From live music to games to vendors you won't find anywhere else, Porkfest has got it all. Um, what are you waiting for? Take part in the premier liberty-oriented event of 2011. Visit porkfest.com today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And there's still time to get your ticket. You can use coupon code FREETALKLIVE, all one word. Save 20% off everything, group photos, flags, all that kind of good stuff. And, of course, your ticket to Porkfest. And it's very inexpensive to camp out. I hear you can go on the forums at uh, free, sorry, at porkfest.com and meet up with other people, maybe make arrangements to carpool there or share campsites. So you can really do this on the cheap. There's no excuse not to go. And it's such a great time. You won't want to miss it. I guarantee. So anyway, before the break, we were talking about some interesting stuff, communicating the ideas of liberty. And we wanted to talk a little bit about nonviolent communication, which Hannah and I and, and Jason too have kind of been kind of talking about the ideas a little bit on the show, although haven't really said much specifically uh, mm -hmm. about it. But um, nonviolent communication is basically a communication style or technique. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I guess, I don't want to say invented, maybe popularized by... Founded. Mar founded. Discovered. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds a little bit weird. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess you could say, sure, rediscovered or, mm -hmm. or popularized by Marshall Rosenberg, who was a clinical psychologist. And he was interested in the idea of why do people do bad things to each other? Why do people do violence to each other? And he even says, you know, he has some very explicitly anti-state uh, themes in mm -hmm. his work. He says things like, you know, sometimes the, the people who do violence are wearing blue and green uniforms or badges and guns and things like that. Mm -hmm. And he actually himself was a Vietnam uh, era tax protester. And I don't know if he still is because there are certainly lots of wars going on right now and certainly it seems like the U.S. is in a perpetual state of war, mm -hmm. actually. But at least during the Vi Vietnam era, when this um, the book Nonviolent Communication, The Language of Life, was written, he he did say in that book that he was protesting, actively protesting taxes at that time mm -hmm. by not making very much income. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. And yeah. I thought I think that nonviolent communication and the themes therein are extremely relevant to the ideas of liberty, mm -hmm. not just for communicating about liberty, but for the way that we interact with um, people who would do aggression to us, including yeah. including police. Or it's definitely helped me come to terms with my political views. Mm -hmm. um, I would, if someone asks me how I feel politically, I would say I would describe it in terms of nonviolent communication mm -hmm. about in terms of my feelings and needs. I would say. Well, I have a need for autonomy, yep. um, and I see that a lot of my friends also have that human need for autonomy. And so when I'm aggressed against, I'm unable to meet that need for autonomy. Mm -hmm. And I can empathize with other people when they're also aggressed against, and I can yeah. see that they're unable to meet their needs. So, That's I mean, it really resonates it. with me because it, it helps me um, it helps me get down to really understanding how I feel um, instead of 
viewing things in terms of moral judgments. Yes. Which it's extremely be, root striking, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because if you can, if you can listen to another person or even listen to yourself, like analyze how you're feeling in terms of the basic needs that we all have as human beings and the feelings that are, that stem from those needs either mm-hmm. being met or not being met, then you can really understand how you feel. And, you know, maybe you can understand your situation in life better mm-hmm. And maybe um, get to the root of of changing those feelings if they're bad, mm-hmm. um, or getting your needs met, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, should we should we give a little bit of a basic rundown? I think the idea, sure. I think the idea, um, the core concept of nonviolent communication is that we're all human beings here. Mm-hmm. Every human has basic needs, right. and those are things not only like food, shelter, water, that kind of stuff, right? But also emotional or intellectual needs, like mm-hmm. the need for. Uh, the need for love, the need for humor, mm-hmm. the need for creativity, mm-hmm. or the need for autonomy, like I was saying before. And um, Absolutely. And Even things like clarity, understanding, mm-hmm. to be listened yeah. to, to be understood. Um, even needs for things like safety and order, which mm-hmm. we talk about a lot, I think, when we talk about police and mm-hmm. communicating with them. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, there are these lists of needs um, mm-hmm. that everybody that everybody has. And when our needs are met, we feel good feelings, mm-hmm. um, joy, pride, happiness, mm-hmm. uh, fulfillment, meaning, that kind of thing. And when our needs are not met, we feel bad feelings, um, sadness, hurt, mm-hmm. despair, depression, um, uh, confusion, mm-hmm. anger, that kind of thing. So um, yeah. so I think it, it really is a way to strike at the root, as Thoreau said, you mm-hmm. know, for, the, for everybody hacking at the branches, there's one person striking at the root or something mm-hmm. like that, to paraphrase. And I think it is a way to get to the root of issues and conflicts between human beings, which mm-hmm. pretty much stem from unmet needs. Mm-hmm. I so. think most conflicts can, can be avoided if people knew how to really just how to communicate their feelings and needs and see through mm-hmm. um, violent language uh, yes. without taking it personally, but just seeing the underlying needs that aren't being met in the other person. Can you give us some uh, examples of like a uh, violent speech? Uh-huh. Sure. Well, okay, let's let's take a scenario. Um, you want to role play, Hannah? Sure, we could do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I could be I could be a good um um I could be someone I guess in nonviolent communication they use these little um animals as examples. So mm-hmm. I guess we can say that they use a giraffe, uh-huh. which is the land animal that has the biggest heart. Mm-hmm. Um, as an example of a pers- of someone who's communicating using nonviolent communication, and a jackal as someone who is using the conventional language that most people use. Right. And one of the criticisms of nonviolent communication that I've heard is that, well, it implies that all other language is violent. And mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe not violent in the sense like uh, there's physical force being used on mm-hmm. someone, but definitely it can be not as effective a, a way to communicate mm. I would say domination language. I think. Yeah. 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 As you said, Rosenberg did, Mm -hmm. did call it that as well. Yeah. Yeah, So um, should we want to, do you want to give like an example? Let's say Hannah and I have a conflict Mm -hmm. and uh, let's say you're, you left your dirty dishes in the sink. Oh, okay. Are we we like domestic partners? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So Hannah and I are a couple and Uh I left my dirty dishes in the sink. Yeah. And um, okay. So So how about first we do, so this would be an example of a, um, aggressive or violent or dominating um, way of communicating to you. Uh-huh. Stephanie, you're such a slob. You always <laughs> leave your dishes in the sink. Yeah. Every time I come home from work, they're there. Such a slob. You're so irresponsible. Well, no, I'm not irresponsible. You could have cleaned them up too. Clearly Why, you what are you are yelling at me for? You left them in the sink. You're so mean. You always yell at me. 
What's going on? You know what? I can't. I can't talk about this anymore. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Cliffhanger. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll demonstrate the nonviolent way of rephrasing that that whole discussion when we return. Free Talk Live six zero three four three five eleven zero five is our number. Wait till you hear the rest of this conversation. It's going to be good. <laughs> we'll be back. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for listening to our show tonight. I'm Stephanie. I'm Jason. I'm Hannah. Yes, indeed. You can always call us and bring up your thoughts, whatever's on your mind. 603-435-1105. And of course, watch us doing what we do on the CAM, cam cam.freetalklive.com. Always an interesting show. (laughs) We've Mm -hmm. been dancing during every break. So far, this show to show solidarity with the people who were arrested yesterday at the Jefferson Memorial. Because... You know, humans need to dance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fundamental human need, uh, expression, autonomy, mm-hmm. creativity. And that's what we were talking about last segment, all these different um, fundamental human needs. And of course, we're talking about the concept of nonviolent communication. Now, um, Jason had asked Hannah and I to do a little role play example of what would be considered vi- violent communication, mm-hmm. I guess. And then how would we rephrase those things to put them in nonviolent communication, mm-hmm. which basically means just taking out the element of blame and shame mo- and shame and moral judgments yeah. and just connecting to what's inside, what's alive in you, which is your, how you're feeling and, mm-hmm. and the underlying need that's causing that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Because when we blame and shame other people, they tend to shut down and they don't really listen to what we're saying and we're not listening to what they're saying either. We're just indignant about, uh, you know, the wrong that's being done. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the keys things that we're focusing on are to to hear the needs behind what the other person is saying, even if they're speaking in kind of aggressive tone. Mm-hmm. For instance, Hannah said, oh, Stephanie, you're such a slob. You left your dishes in the sink. She does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and and so if I if I step back from that statement and say, OK, I'm not going to take that personally. But what is Hannah really saying when she mm-hmm. says I'm such a slob? I always leave my dishes in the sink. Well, Hannah feels that, um, or I'm sorry, Hannah needs to come home to an environment where there's peace and order Mm -hmm. and where she feels relaxed and comfortable. Mm -hmm. And seeing those dirty dishes in the sink is triggering some annoyance, maybe Mm -hmm. some frustration in her because that need for order in her house is not being met. So how would I, how would I express that then? So maybe let's do the scenario Mm -hmm. over. Oh, sure. So I come home from work and I see that your dirty dishes are in the sink. (laughs) So I I go up to you and maybe I'll say, hey, Stephanie. um, Well, first I would start with a a clear observation, which is I see that you left your dishes in the sink. Uh Um, They've been there since this morning. Um, I'm feeling a little frustrated, um, kind of uh, tense. I'm feeling tense because um, Mm -hmm. I have a need for cleanliness. I have a need for order. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I see your dishes in the sink, it, it... uh, it makes me feel tense. So well, I'm kind of thinking through this as I'm saying it. I know. It's really hard <laughs> to change the way that we phrase things because yeah. we're very used to, I, in English, saying things like, that makes me exactly. feel. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to avoid saying. I don't want to say <laughs> yeah. that your action is making me feel this way because really, I control how I feel. Yes. I control how I respond to your behavior. Yeah. And other people's actions can trigger feelings in you, but ultimately, you are the the controller of you know the way that you experience things in your own emotions right mm-hmm. so um 
to say that that oh you made me hurt you made right. me feel hurt or you made me angry is kind of um shifting the responsibility for those feelings mm-hmm. onto someone else yeah um yeah so so i guess instead of saying that it when i see your dishes in the sink that makes me upset maybe something like well hey, I, I could just say when when i see your uh dirty dishes in the sink i feel frustrated because uh my need for order and cleanliness isn't being met mm-hmm. yeah so i'd really appreciate it if um if you would clean up your dishes yeah, so that's that's your request. Yeah. You you stated you made a clear observation mm-hmm. that's based on facts and you know, you didn't say like you always leave your dishes in the sink. Right. It was, "Hey, I noticed that your dishes were there this morning and they're still there, so I I gather that you left them in the sink." Mm-hmm. And when I see that, I feel a little bit annoyed or peeved, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. And I I just really need to come home to a clean environment because mm-hmm. I I like that order. When I come home, I want to feel a sense of peace and when I see a clean sink, that really helps me do that. So do you think you could clean it up tomorrow? Or do you think maybe in the future you could make sure to put those away mm-hmm. for me? That would really help me feel better when I when I come home from a long day right. and I just want to relax. So, And then, yeah. I mean, maybe you also have a need for something. Maybe you're doing something at the moment. You're engaged in another project. And mm-hmm. I also have to be able to empathize with that. And so yes. that's why what I'm requesting of you I have to make it clear that it's not a demand, but it's it's actually a request. And, yes. And if for whatever reason you can't meet that need of mine at the moment, then I would want to try to figure out, okay, what is it that you're doing right now that's preventing you from um, being able to do this? Or why don't you want to meet, meet that need for me? Exactly. And the whole idea is, I think that Rosenberg refers to the usual way that people speak as a domination language, because they're really not, they're really not okay if a person says, no, I can't do that thing. I can't Mm -hmm. meet your need for you or essentially says that Um, most people want to kind of strong arm others into doing what they want and want to get their needs met. But the idea with nonviolent communication is to connect with someone so that they will voluntarily want to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. And this really ties into liberty and volunteerism, I think, because Mm -hmm. most people in their personal lives, at least, I think, want to don't want to force anyone to do anything else right Mm -hmm. they don't they don't want to hold a gun to someone's head and say you will be my girlfriend or i will hurt you right (laughs) you know or you know you will be my friend and you'll hang out with me or and if not i'll beat you up Mm -hmm. no nobody wants to do that they want to be a a beacon someone who others want to do nice things for and want Mm -hmm. to connect with so i think that's nonviolent communication just takes that concept to the next level and Mm -hmm enables you to connect with people in such a way that they'll want to do um, pleasant and good things for mm-hmm. you and meet and to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. So, so how could we, let's relate this to Liberty. Um, let's, I, let's look at that conversation, I guess that you had with your mom or your mom's friends, if you're mm-hmm. okay with that, Anna, mm-hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about what you were talking about. You said that you noticed a need for safety. In yeah. That, like, were you talking about war? You're talking about anti-war N- stuff. No. Well, they, they agreed with, uh, about that. Um, that they're against uh, war and, and I think pretty much against military. There was the issue of trade. They were wondering how trade mm. could exist without uh, government. Oh, right. that's an interesting one because mm. I've actually had that discussion with my um, some family members before. And in the past, I've always written it off. You know, they, they would always say things like, they're taking our jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, they're retired. They're not taking their jobs, <laughs> <laughs> right? And they're referring to um, immigrants, you know, mm-hmm 
quote, taking U.S. jobs. Mm -hmm. And so in the past, I would always have have written them off and said, oh, they're racist. Mm -hmm. You know, they they're a bunch of racists. They hate brown people. But that's me collectivizing them. Mm -hmm. Um, My need for fairness and justice and viewing people as individuals, maybe a little autonomy in there Mm -hmm. is not being met. So I'm feeling upset about that. And I and that comes out by me saying, oh, they're racists. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm putting them into a group just as they're putting immigrants into a group. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, now I can see that when they express that sentiment, oh, they're taking our jobs, mm-hmm. what they're expressing is maybe a fear, insecurity, mm-hmm. uh, like how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to eat? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, how are all these people who have these skills that they work so hard to acquire going to adjust to a changing job market? Maybe mm-hmm. they're um, a little bit concerned about those, all these people's need for um consistency and feeling effective at their work right and, and maybe one. maybe they grew up having this enemy imagery of these other people who are immigrants yeah absolutely mm-hmm. because they themselves were immigrants mm-hmm. i mean they you know they came they were like eastern european jewish uh-huh. immigrants so maybe they were treated as others absolutely were, yeah mm-hmm. and i'm sure a lot of people have this tendency to kind of repeat out the abuse that was done to them mm-hmm. onto other people you know like kids yeah. who are bullied at school can sometimes want to be the bully mm-hmm. because then they're finally at the top of that ladder. They're finally in the ring of power. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they can do to get someone to empathize with them and the mm-hmm. way that they were treated is to abuse someone else. And then mm-hmm. the abused person can, you know, then finally someone will empathize with yeah. them. Their it's need for control, thing. their need for control, maybe when they were younger, it was never met. Mm-hmm. And so now they're, you know, or even safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about going to government school every day. I don't know about you guys, but I was picked on a lot. Were, were you guys picked on? Uh, I was on both mm-hmm. spectrums of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, did, sure. I did all right. Well, You're I was, tough. I was, uh, <laughs> I was pretty um, obese as a kid, and mm-hmm. so that kind of made me a target for a lot mm-hmm. of teasing and stuff like that. And um, so we can get into this more. Mm-hmm. I guess we're coming up on another cliffhanger, but you know. I was really hurt by a lot of that trauma, mm-hmm. and I sometimes remember feeling an instinct to kind of take it out on other people. Like, mm-hmm. well, if I pick on someone else, then I won't be the lowest person on this ladder, mm-hmm. you know. So more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Very interesting discussion so far, and we've got one more segment left. We've got one segment to get in your calls, 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live. We'll be back. Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to us tonight. I am Stephanie. And Jason. And Hannah. And as we go into the final segment, I just want to thank you two again for coming in with me tonight. It's been a real pleasure to have you on, and I'm definitely looking forward to the next time we can all get together and do another show. Thanks. It's been great. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us. I was trying to phrase that in an NBC sort of way. (laughs) I feel feel really satisfied because my need for... uh, I don't know. My need for communication has been met by being on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My need for meaning in uh, activism, I guess you could say, is met every time I do Free Talk Live. And especially especially my needs for connection are met mm-hmm. for sure when I come and talk to like-minded people like yourselves for three hours and um, share that conversation with other people who are maybe just picking up these ideas. It's definitely a very um, gratifying experience. So, all right, enough mushiness. We're going <laughs> to, we actually have a call on the line. Michael in Connecticut, are you there? 
I am here. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for calling. Um, what did you want to talk about tonight? Oh, I um, I saw that video of last night. It just uh, kind of drove me up the wall there. Oh, oh so you are you talking about the video of the arrest at the oh, Jefferson it, Memorial? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How they, you know, how they body slammed Adam Adam Kokesh, and just it's kind of what I expect the mentality with a lot of. Uh, on a police officer, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like a, it's, it's like, you know, we're higher than you in the social circle, and you got to do what we tell you to do, and that's it. You know? Yeah. So, what do you think a good response? Like, what do you think a good response would be um, in the future to uh, what the state uh, did to uh, those peaceful people? I don't know. It's a tough call. I, I mean, I would. And when I've interacted with the local constabulary here, I, I try to use humor and stuff. You know, and I mean. I try to. I try not to. I usually avoid the cops, but I, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty jovial, and I just, I, I chat with them. Mm-hmm. But and, like the other night, for example, I was uh, walking downtown here in here in Madison, and I was just, uh, you know, just doing, you know, just exercising, just walking around, mm-hmm. and um, I was uh, walking by the train tracks, and suddenly two cop cars came up, and you know, they came out of the car, and you know. What are you doing with that walking yeah. over there? <laughs> yeah. Who do you think you are walking around? Ju- <laughs> yeah. yeah they, I guess they thought I was a bum trying to uh, jump on the train track or something. But yikes! But I, you know, it was like I chatted with them, and you know, and then everything was fine. And I, I figured sometimes I just try to use humor or something just to diffuse the situation, and everything, mm-hmm. and then they went away. You know. But I know. Huh. That's but I guess I don't know if it's different. You know, I I would think a big I, I I don't know. We're I'm in a smaller town, so maybe the attitude's a little different. But it's still it's still uh, I think I don't know. Just uh, a lot of it just seems like you know I don't know. I can't put it into words. It's just like you know. yeah. I think I've heard that sentiment before that um, sometimes the smaller towns things are a little bit different. Although. You know, I kind of hesitate on that because we have seen examples in these oh, yeah. small towns here in New Hampshire where the police departments are, there are allegations of extreme corruption. For instance, the oh, yeah. the police department in Weir, New Hampshire, has been extremely poor at communicating with activists who have been yeah. repeatedly arrested and charged with felony wiretapping for recording police in that town. And it's happened to three people so far in the same town, and it's a very small town. And inevitably, the charges are always dropped, but it still doesn't stop them from kind of shaking the people down. There are allegations that the police there keep a file on free staters and have, you know, all kinds of information about people. And so I I don't know. I'm sure it depends on the locality, but I I think small towns can definitely have corruption as well. Oh, yeah. We had a we had a lot of that a few years ago. We had cops uh, hanging out with um, hookers at the local um, uh, commuter parking lot and. One cop was stealing lobsters from a restaurant, and another one was committing wow. uh, workers' cop fraud. So, wow! Yeah. Then we got a new police chief, and then uh, it was kind of—it was actually kind of entertaining, more or less. But here comes the new but, boss, um, same as the old, right? Oh yeah, same, <laughs> Jason. Same as the old. Now they're just now they're just uh, issuing tons of parking tickets. So, yeah, it's did, just a different. Did you have a thought, Jason? You, know, you wanted face. to jump in with? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I live in a small oh, town. Sure. It's uh, Grafton, New Hampshire, and. Um, Liberty on Tour is currently doing their Free State Friendship Tour, and uh, both uh, Ademo um, Freeman and uh, Pete Eyre 
are involved with the copblock.org. So mm-hmm. they oh, yeah. they had heard what happened to um, our good friend uh, Bob Constantine, who, by the way, is going to be out on the 31st of this uh, month, and we're excited about that. Yeah, serving his um, uh, prison sentence or jail. Is he in jail or He's in jail, right? They call it the county farm, but I think it's, <laughs> it, it's a cage, you know. And he's he, in and a he's, cage, And he's yes. in with uh, 12 other people. Yeah. But um, And so they had heard uh, that the uh, town uh, police officer next door, um, Sam Frank, had said that uh, he needs money in his budget so that they can be part of, like, the regional SWAT team because of all the uh, oh, no. free staters that are uh, moving into uh, Grafton. Oh, no. Uh, this... this uh, Individual Sam Frank was one of the people, one of the first people that stepped foot on um, Bob Constantine's property um, for his arrest for uh, gardening, for growing his own medicine, cannabis. And um, and so they were trying to um, bring some transparency uh, to that, but he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't come out. He was in a meeting all day and we came back uh, a couple times uh, and he wouldn't meet with us. But yeah, so, I mean, small towns can still you know be tyrannical, oh, just yeah. like larger ones. Yeah, and Absolutely. you know, it was interesting, Jason, because I, you made several videos about Weta Claus or Bob, uh, as he's affectionately known. And one of th- we were talking before about kind of connecting with people and talking about liberty, especially with police who may be even aggressing against you. And I just remember there was one video where Bob was kind of saying to, he was describing his arrest, and he described saying to the officers, "Look, I'm a good guy. I just came out here because I wanted some peace and quiet. I wanted to be left alone." I'm not hurting anyone. I haven't I haven't violated anyone's rights. And the, the police officer kind of hung his head in shame and said, yeah, you know, I don't think this should be happening to you. I'm just following orders or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, nobody's denied that Bob isn't a good person. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a great member of the community and the state because of their immoral uh, laws, their their war on drugs. They, you know, yeah. they plucked him away from his community for two months from his family, from his friends. Um, and you know what do they have to show for it? They, you know, taxpayers had to pay for him to uh, to be in this cage, um, and so yeah, that's why it's. I, I'm I'm happy to like highlight the stories of uh, people like Bob Constantine, and and we want to, and he's going to get out soon, and so he and I are going to work together to highlight other victims um, of state aggression and the war on drugs. Oh, that's great! I really appreciate the hell out of that because like wow, it was great to be able to share that with people. It's a great outreach tool. Thank you. Well. Yeah. So, Michael, any any other final thoughts? I guess I guess my final thought is I guess what happened at the Jefferson Memorial is probably a nasty example of the tragedy of the commons. No, mm, that's a good point Remember? that I don't think we really touched yeah. on much tonight. Is that it is so-called public property, and I think probably all all of us in the studio might agree that probably so-called public property, which is really government property, shouldn't exist because the government shouldn't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a point that uh, Mark Edge has been making on Free Talk Live all week. Yeah. Um, but because it is pub, so-called public property, then if you want to peacefully dance, you know, why not? I, I don't, yeah, you're paying yeah, for it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the call, Michael. That was a great um, discussion, and we appreciate your call tonight. Thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think I agree with Michael's point about public property or so-called. I think we should start calling it something else that highlights because I feel like mm. the word public property, just like public schools or public health care or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. is a statist language trap. Uh-huh. And it, it puts you in this paradigm where you're tacitly accepting that having something like that, um, a, 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 an area of land that's owned by 
no one really, but mm-hmm. everybody is stolen from to pay for it. You're kind of tacitly accepting that that's okay. Mm. Right. So I think, I don't know, maybe we stolen property, stolen right? property. Yeah. It'll, Illegitimate property. Yeah. <laughs> Unowned property. You don't want to call it government property because right, that means they don't legitimately own it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, it's, a, it's a tough point that comes up a lot. And I think that, you know, there have been a lot of people who have tried to do activism in the past to kind of highlight the injustice of so-called public property. Mm-hmm. For instance, I remember in Keene a couple of years ago, there was a guy who tried to plant some flowers on the town common, right? Mm-hmm. And he was arrested for that. And mm-hmm. I don't... I'm I'm not sure if his point effectively was uh, communicated mm-hmm. or got got across very well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jason's shake, laughing. <laughs> the, the video has him with a rifle slung over his arm, yeah. uh, riding a bicycle. It, I mean, I thought it would be good to uh, you know have a garden, a community garden, where the the food was given to uh, the truly needy and, and things like that. So there are ways to convey messages better than what was done. Sure, and you know that's what we're striving to do all the time is be much more effective communicators, spread the message of liberty far and wide because really you own yourself you're the best person to decide who should live your life and how everything should go so thanks a lot for listening this has been stephanie and jason and hannah nice words to close out by we appreciate your listening and have a great week this has been free talk live